0: Welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast. I'm Peter Bregman, your host and CEO of Bregman Partners. This podcast is part of my mission to help you get massive traction on the things that matter most. with us on the podcast today is chris bailey chris has written most recently the book hyper focus how to be more productive in a world of distraction if you're looking at the video this is what it looks like He wrote before that uh, The Productivity Project, where you probably first heard him on this show, and I'm delighted to have him back. He's awesome. Chris, welcome to the Bregman Leadership Podcast.
1: Hey, man. So the first time I didn't make a big enough fool out of myself, you had me back?
0: Uh, well, you know what? If everybody laughs, then you just got to keep them coming.
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: keep them laughing.
1: (laughs) Keep them laughing. One of my favorite monks. His name is Ajahn Brahm, and whenever he delivers a story, there's always a bit of humor in it. And his saying is that when somebody's laughing, their their mouth is open. You can throw the wisdom right in. (laughs) So maybe it's.
0: uh, I I don't have
1: much wisdom as Ajahn Brahm, but maybe there's a bit of that going on.
0: I think just the fact that you can say the words, my favorite monk says. (laughs) Like I, I, you know, I don't know that most of us have favorite. I mean, maybe if you have one monk, that's probably. You know, a lot. Yeah. So for you to most, to most have people your
1: know of, of the Dalai Lama, so I feel <laughs> that would be like the default pick. But you gotta have a, a backup monk, favorite monk.
0: So you wrote a book on productivity, and then you wrote another, and and yeah. it's it's obviously there was more to say and important stuff to say. I really like this book. What what's the sort of the number one takeaway that you share in Hyperfocus? That you know, like what's the what's the big point of this book in a sense
1: that the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. And so what I mean by that is if we're distracted in each moment, a moment exists within the context of our life. And so those moments accumulate day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to create a life that feels distracted, like it doesn't have a a clear direction or a purpose. But on the other hand, when we make a more deliberate uh, effort to regulate our attention and focus on things that are important in the moment, then when we make an effort to focus on what's meaningful and productive, our lives feel more meaningful and productive as a result. And frankly, this is one of the most surprising uh, things that I uncovered over the course of writing HyperFocus. I set out to, to write this book on focusing all day and, and doing focus work all day long um, and to write a book about productivity, but I realized that this is an idea that is bigger than productivity. By managing our attention well, we manage our life well. And attention, especially when we are surrounded with so many distractions, means everything.
0: I mean, I think you could argue that what we attend to is our life, meaning the filter of our life is what we put our attention to.
1: Well, one of the folks that endorsed the book, besides a guy named Peter Bregman, was (laughs) a guy named Sean Acor and he's a he's a positive uh, psychology researcher. And he described it as a, as a way by which we can create an adaptive reality, where what we focus on becomes our reality. And, you know, meaning is a great example of that. People always are, are searching for meaning. They're trying to find it instead of just noticing the meaning that's around them. Um, and, and I think we can do the same with our productivity. We can notice what's productive in our work and make an effort to focus on that. We can notice the meaningful conversations, like the One we're having right now, and make an effort to focus on that. You know, no cheeseburger will be as delicious as the cheeseburger you focus on with 100% of your attention. No conversation will be as meaningful as the one you focus on with 100% of your attention. And
0: why is that so hard to do?
1: Because we're so stimulated. Um, you know, one of my favorite, I don't find statistics that motivating, you know, because they're kind of boring a lot of the time, but there was one that that alarmed me over the course of writing the book. And it was that on average, when we're doing work in front of, in front of a computer, we focus on one thing for just 40 seconds before we switch to doing something else. And when you couple this with one other idea, so we switch between things rapidly, but there's also a novelty bias embedded within our brain's prefrontal cortex, where for Every new and novel thing on which we direct our attention, our brain rewards us with a hit of dopamine, that that pleasure chemical, which essentially so we go from focusing on email we get a hit of dopamine we check instagram we get a hit of dopamine we check the news we get a hit of dopamine we focus on a conversation with a colleague we get a hit of dopamine we go back to email we get a hit of dopamine and so we have so much dopamine coursing through our mind because of this uh, novelty bias which uh, essentially is just a distraction bias that we're so stimulated and it becomes uh, difficult to settle down a little bit Um, if you ask people to describe their attention. Somebody who's in a state of high stimulation, they'll use words like, oh, I'm distracted, and I feel overwhelmed, and I'm overworked, and I'm pulled in a thousand directions. But somebody who's in a state of lower stimulation, who can, you know, read a book (laughs) and really hunker down on it, who can have a meaningful conversation, will use words like deliberate and uh, thoughtful, and they'll feel like they have more insights to offer the world. And uh, so I think a lot of it has to do with just how stimulated our mind so is by default.
0: Does that mean that we have to be willing to be bored and unstimulated in order to be in that place where we come up with insights? And I'm I'm thinking about yeah. you know, the argument that you're giving, which I buy, but is hard to it's hard to fight the dopamine hit, meaning yeah. a dopamine hit is actually like you, – if you have a life of dopamine hits, you go, that was an exciting life. Yeah. And and so – Well, you and,
1: have that too if you do cocaine every day, but well, that so doesn't necessarily – gonna...
0: <laughs> So let's talk about that, not cocaine. But the 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 – we have to be willing to be bored. And how do you convince people that doing – The dishes without also watching TV or a kid doing their homework without also watching a video or to not multitask because there's too much for us to do in a single day. But if we do three things at once, we get more done. We feel like we're we feel we like get more done. Right. You and I would would agree that multitasking is a bad idea. But how do we... Not,
1: not always, but most of the time.
0: So how, so well, I want you to explain that in a second, because you talk about yeah. scatter focus, and I, and I think that's useful. But how do you convince people, or what do you say to people who might say, look, if I'm doing the dishes and I'm watching TV, at the same time, I'm having more fun, and yeah. why not?
1: I, I think boredom and um, laziness. Yeah, And I don't mean laziness in the sense of like, vegging out with Netflix in front of the TV with your iPad and your phone there. I mean, like proper idleness. Um, These are ingredients that are so underrated with regard to our productivity. Look at a vacation, for example. It takes you a little while to settle into vacation mode. The the research shows about eight days. Um, And uh, I think stimulation has a similar effect. One one of the experiments that I conducted over the course of writing this book, because I like doing these weird experiments to see the research through a sort of different uh, and experiential lens, was making myself purposefully bored for an hour a day for a month. And so I remember the first day I read the iTunes Terms and Conditions, which uh, are shorter than you might think. I I had the chance to read them uh, two or three times over the course of that hour. Another hour, I watched One Cloud in the Sky passing by so there wasn't a lot and, uh, of
0: wind if you can watch that same cloud no for the full hour.
1: and uh yeah it, it wasn't a, a dry day so the cloud didn't evaporate either it was a very big dialogue running through my mind is the cloud going to evaporate um and i this the seeds i mean from, wasn't uh,
0: that painfully boring Yeah.
1: Yeah. I plucked the seeds from a strawberry with a pair of tweezers. And like the various things like these suggested by my readers. And it led me to the conclusion that, you know, boredom isn't a desirable emotion. It makes us feel restless. But it's the process through which we often adjust downward into a state of lower stimulation. And so I'm a big advocate for taming distractions ahead of time, because when you look at the fact that we're surrounded by so many novel things and that are pleasurable and threatening that take advantage of this novelty bias in our minds, so we need to get out ahead of them, uh, you know, over time we can adjust downward into a state of this lower stimulation where we don't necessarily feel the restlessness of boredom, but we are able to uh, the quality of our attention. You know, the quality of our attention, how much control we have over it, uh, determines the quality of our life. And um, and the research bears this out. The more attentional control we have, um, uh, we become more productive because we're able to focus. It makes sense. Uh, But we have been shown to be more satisfied with our life overall. Our levels of happiness go up. We become more creative. Um, You know, every measure of the quality of our life increases and it's because we adjust downward into a, into this state of, of lower stimulation. And I don't, I don't think we need to make ourselves bored necessarily, but
0: it doesn't hurt. So I'm curious, I'm going to ask you something personal here, Chris, because I know you well enough to know a little bit about your schedule and to know that, you know, and also know what it's like when you've come out with a new book and you're promoting the new book and you're moving around and you're doing a lot and, and I'm just curious to know your experience with, with slowing down when there's a lot to do. And, you know, I, and I, and I'll actually share something personal for me, which is I just, um, got the shingles shot, right. Which is a, a for a vaccine yeah. and somehow I got the shingles. So oh, I now, that's not s- what you want. That that's is exactly the that opposite reason not why what you get you the vaccine. Want. That is certainly not what you want with the vaccine. Right. And which is incredibly painful. and But it's like, but what people are saying is you got to slow down because your immune system's weakened. And you're, and and my answer, which is a little sad to me, is I don't, like, what does that actually mean to slow down? Like, I don't think I'm moving that fast. and And people around me are saying, you're actually moving very fast. Like you're moving much faster than you even realize, but I don't actually realize it. So when there's a lot to do, when you're engaged in your work and you really like it but you have a sense that it's important to slow down but embarrassingly enough like you might not even know what that means or i might not even really know what that means yeah so i'm curious to have a a perspective from your life uh because i know you experience at least a lot of the same scheduling dynamics as i might the
1: same uh constraints on on our time and energy that's a big coffee cup that you have i can you bring that back into frame for folks who are watching? It, it's like a, it's like a regular coffee cup, but it's like somebody stretched it vertically.
0: But what I will say is, it's uh, all there is here is lemon and water. So just to be clear, in terms of the this conversation, is, I'm not trying to like, this is not you know, like hyper stimulate myself. It's just, yeah. uh, it's basically <laughs> just water and lemon.
1: A lot of water and a lot lemon. of let's make ma- let's make that clear here. Uh, it, it's funny about a few about a week before the book launched, and it was a big book launch in in many different countries. Um, it was my sister's wedding and uh the a couple days before the book launched i got a concussion um a f- two weeks after the book launch when in the midst of all this traveling and uh media interviews sometimes 15 20 interviews in a day i got a terrible case of of a cold um and then the flu and so it, it's you know slowing down amidst all of that was quite quite difficult uh, but I think there are ways that we can slow down without compromising the productivity that we have. And and that slowing down makes us um, more productive because what we lose in speed, we make up for more so in deliberateness uh, with how we act um, so what one big change that, that I've made in my own life as just as a very simple example um, was uh, subscribing to the physical newspaper every morning and so every morning I, I you know I wake up at about 6 um, I, I, I'm disconnected from the internet until about 8 a.m. I get two newspapers here in in Canada we can only get yesterday's New York Times so the Times is always a day late but the Globe and Mail comes day of and it's a wonderful ritual because you go beyond the front page. When you go to the newyorktimes.com, it refreshes every 15, 20 minutes. Um, But the newspaper refreshes once a day. And so once you make it past the the front page of the newspaper and delve into the other sections, the art sections, the science sections, the opinion sections, things that you wouldn't consume online, you know, it's a wonderful way to become immersed in a physical experience. We actually read differently uh, with physical uh, mediums. We have a different eye scanning pattern where we delve into into it more deeply. But it's a simple way to become less stimulated. Another example... Uh, let me was just putting... ask you
0: one quick question about that, because I'm yeah. curious. Is that true for Kindle, too? If you're reading Kindle, is it like you're reading a hard hard paper, or is it like you're reading a screen uh, like your computer screen?
1: You know what? I, I don't know, but I would prognosticate that we read it the same way we read a physical um, thing, because there are no alternative objects of attention at right. which we can direct our focus. That's what you I am think. We, we have kind of a scanning pattern when we read something online where we'll scan the line. Then we go to the right hand side of the page. We see the recommended articles. We click on whatever one of those is the most novel in the moment. Maybe after 40 seconds or so, then we go see that. Well,
0: the Internet but, is is the Internet is built to be a distractibility machine. Like the whole point yeah, is, yeah. you know, everything is a neon blinking sign on the Internet. So yeah, like, anytime and, uh, you do anything, someone else is trying to get your attention to do something else.
1: It's, it's where our intention goes to die you know we, we it's a great way to lose if you want to lose control of your attention go on the internet if you want to gain control of your attention have sex it's like the most um, it's the way that by which we're able to enter a flow state um, more so than any other activity um, and it also makes us the happiest so if you know that, that there's happiness to be gained in that way but you know slowing down we, we focus for longer and differently with physical mediums um, spending less time in front of screen it's a great way to slow down as well. There's one study I encountered um, recently writing the book where they asked one uh, group of people, um, they, they got one group of people to watch six or more hours of news coverage about the Boston Marathon bombings. And they sampled those folks against folks who were in the actual marathon and personally affected by it. And they found that the people who had watched six or more hours of news coverage about the marathon were more likely, to develop PTSD than somebody who is in the marathon wow. and personally affected by it. Right. Uh, and so, you interesting. know. Another fascinating, like, simple thing that I do that cuts the amount of time I spend on my phone in half every single day without changing its functionality is to enable grayscale mode, uh, G-R-A-Y scale. It's an accessibility feature built into most phones. Black
0: and white, basically.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it makes your phone screen black and white. And so it's like reading a newspaper where your phone becomes in black and white, but the world the person in front of you is in color. So let me and, ask
0: you a question. Honestly, yeah. have you changed it back to color because it's so much more interesting or do you still have it grayscale?
1: I will be 100% honest with you. It is in grayscale mode, I would say about 80% of the time. Oh, well, that's great. When it, when I when I uh, look through photos, though, when I'm sharing photos, it's very hard to tell if a photo is good in grayscale mode. It's not like uh, one of those black and white filters where it looks really appealing in black and white. Uh-huh. Um, so it's very hard to tell the colors of something. Like if I'm taking a food picture of butter chicken, every plate of butter chicken looks gray, but some are this vibrant orange color where nice. you don't get the, the, that beautiful.
0: That's great. So switching your phone to grayscale makes it yeah. less enticing, and then you spend yeah. less time on it.
1: Exactly. I, I find that my time is about cut in half when I right. enable them. I did not expect to find that. Uh, but it, it's it, you know our attention gravitates to anything that's one of three things. First of all, anything that's novel because of that novelty bias. Right. But especially when it, there's that novelty coupled with the fact that something's either pleasurable or threatening to us in the moment. So think threatening like the news or uh, e- even a, an email that comes in from your boss. Think pleasurable like... Instagram pictures from fitness models and, and, uh, you know, other websites that, you know, it will go without naming. You know, these things are are more attractive objects of attention to us. And so we really do need to get ahead of that impulse.
0: Talk to us about hyper focus versus scatter focus very briefly.
1: Yeah, so... This is actually a surprising thing that i that I uncovered in writing the book is I, I intended to write a book on, okay, how do we focus for every minute of the day? Um, and, and I eventually came across a, a quite a overwhelming amount of research from my own experience, as well as talking to the researchers and looking at their research, that the worst thing that we can do for our productivity and for our attention is to focus all day long. We need, you know, one one of my favorite things to do is watch traffic flow. So if I'm in a hotel, uh, I look down at the highway below. You know, flying over in a plane, landing into a city, I look down at the highway. Um, there's a a road outside of my office here, and if you look at what allows traffic to move down a highway, um, it wouldn't, it isn't what you you would expect it would be. So what allows traffic to continue moving fast isn't how fast cars are moving, uh, but rather it's how much space exists between the cars that allows traffic to move forward. And I would make the argument that our work is the exact same Way. Um, in fact, we think about our goals and the future uh, 14 times as much when our mind is at rest and wandering versus when we're focused. And so it's kind of, you know, that space between the tasks that we do that we choose what to focus on in the first place and replenish how much energy we have and become more creative because more ideas uh, strike us in those moments. It's never when we're focused that our best ideas come to us. It's, it's when we're we're scatter focused, is what I call it. And so, you know, managing our attention that's kind of the art of it you know is learning how to unfocus a bit and while you become less stimulated when you are focused so that you make some space between things which allows you to focus on the right things in the first place it's kind of this this beautiful dance this tango uh, between this this focused mode of our mind and this wandering scatter focused mode of our mind which
0: means that we have to be much more deliberate about what we're not going to do so that we can create space for the scatter focus
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And we feel like we're being selfish when uh, we say no. Notice, at least, at least I did before. But it's really kind of a mental posture of realizing that when you say yes to something that is unimportant, you have less time for your family. You have right. less. Um, you know, I, I keep a few pictures of my family right, right here next to my desk because. When I pick up the phone, when, when my lecture agent calls me, or when uh, I get an opportunity that comes in over email and I'm weighing whether to do it or not, um, I, I want to remind myself of the opportunity cost. It's not being with them, um, right. it, w- which is the opportunity cost. It's not that I don't make a bit of money, for example. Right. Um, and so I think uh, you know, having that awareness of what you're giving up when you say yes to something, including saying yes to things in the moment when you just distract yourself, I think there's, there's a uh it, it's it's such a beautiful kind of awareness
0: you say something interesting that the research shows that the more impulsive you are as a person yeah. the more stressed you become when you block yourself from distractions yeah which makes a lot of sense and impulsivity is actually quite useful for creativity so i'm curious about what you can say to creative people who tend to have a lot of impulsivity um to cre- like how could they create this kind of hyper focus without building up so much stress on the side yeah. of it?
1: This is one of the surprising findings. You know, I expected to be able to write that, oh, distractions blockers are amazing for our focus. Um, but when you start with the science and then you work backwards to how we should act differently, you realize that it, when you're more impulsive, um, that the world is a bit different. In fact, impulsivity, uh, curiously enough, is the character trait that is, there's that massive cup again. It's very, it's, this is like a pleasurable novel thing in my You're easily
0: distracted, Chris. I am. Every yeah, time I drink. I'm very
1: easily... <laughs> yeah, I'm very easily distracted. That's why I needed this book. Yeah. <laughs> um, impulsivity, curiously enough, is the character trait that is most highly correlated with procrastination as well. Um, and, and so we, we procrastinate more, but that's, you know sometimes that gives us um, more, more time to incubate different ideas. Uh, I, I would say changing your environment, if you're impulsive, um, you know, away from the computer, to, just to present yourself with alternative cues. Uh, at which you can direct your attention. Spending time in nature, uh, working, wh- whatever your mode of choice is, uh, if you want to harness your, your creativity. Um, but another good strategy is because you adjust to that lower level of stimulation is use a distractions blocker, but you know for the amount of time you're comfortable with, and afterwards treat yourself to an all-you-can-eat buffet of distraction. Uh, th- this works even if you're not into uh, like impulsive stuff. If you're if you don't consider Consider yourself an impulsive person because it's a reward for focusing um, you, you know one of the things that I recommend people always ask okay how long should I focus for well how long do you want to focus for you know shrink the amount of time that you'll focus for in your mind and tell you don't feel that that same level of resistance to it yeah. and so you know think could I focus for an hour 45 nah, eh, 30 yeah I can focus for 30 then treat yourself
0: you know it's interesting because I think when I think about the ways in which I get distracted there's a subtle distinction between focusing long enough and needing a break versus longing for a break because I'm focusing on something hard and I want to distract myself because I, you know, I, I, I'm you I writing a hard sentence and it's easier to like go eat a snack. And I'm wondering if you know or have seen anything about the differences of those focus or am I fooling myself and if I'm doing something hard and I'm feeling like I need a break – then maybe that's true and maybe I just need a break and I shouldn't give myself such a hard time about like, you know, trying to escape my challenges.
1: The, the fascinating thing about that is the more often we have to regulate our attention in one way or another. So in other words, to force ourselves to focus, the more mental energy we deplete as we work. And so, you know, this is why, you know, some I feel a lot of people come to the work that I do because they have a hard time being productive because they don't really care about their work. Um, but it's its so difficult to invest in your productivity when you don't care about the work that you're doing on a deeper level. You know, we all have stuff that we don't want to do, but you need that deeper reason because when you're naturally motivated by something, you won't have to force yourself to focus on it. Focus comes easy when we do work that we love. And when we do work that we love in the moment, so, you know, that uh, that aversiveness that we have with some tasks, that the fascinating thing about that resistance is it's usually stacked towards the beginning of us doing a task. You know, it takes us three months to build up the courage to clean out the closet and in, in the side room. But once we do it for two minutes, we could go on for hours. And that, yeah, that's interesting. That that's true. I think that's very true. That that res- yeah that resistance evaporates uh, into the ether, and so uh, I would say you know it depends how often you have to regulate your attention, and so this is the advantage of having a distractions blocker on your computer or putting your phone on grayscale mode or leaving your phone in another room or on airplane mode is when you eliminate that alternative object of attention, you not only give yourself no choice but to focus in the moment, but you also give yourself some energy to focus because you don't have to force yourself to to focus on something. It's the same kind of mental energy that gets depleted when we have to regulate our attention in order order to make decisions. That expends the same amount of mental energy. But the beautiful thing about scattering our attention, that, that scatter focus mode that I mentioned, is that when our attention is scattered, We don't have to force ourselves to focus because we just unfocus. We do something that we love. We're having a cup of coffee. We're going for a run. We're uh, drinking out of our oversized mug, some lemon water. um, And, uh, you know, we're just kind of not focusing and and we get more energy because of that.
0: I love it. Chris Bailey, his latest book is Hyperfocus, How to Be More Productive. In a world of distraction, we have just touched the surface of this book. It's a really, really fun and good book to read with a tremendous amount of super practical ideas in it. So, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being on the Bregman Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you, Peter Bregman, for having me on the Bragman Leadership Podcast.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bregman Leadership Podcast. If you did, it would really help us if you subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. A common problem that I see in companies is a lot of busyness, a lot of hard work that fails to move the organization as a whole forward. That's the problem that we solve with our Big Arrow process. For more information about that or to access all of my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit peterbregman.com. Thank you, Claire Marshall, for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.